listening to The Gender Rebels, a question and answer podcast that explores life outside of the gender binary. I'm Kathleen, a cisgender woman and ally living in Brooklyn. And I'm Faith, a transgender woman who also lives in Brooklyn. We'll be exploring topics like hormones, surgery, coming out, pronouns, LGBT stuff, and Q stuff, boys, girls, and everything in between. And if you disagree with us, factually, morally, or scientifically, then you're probably wrong. Usually, I open with, hey, Faith, I got a question. But today's going to be a little different. Because I have a question. Hey, Kath, I got a question. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so like Victor Frankenstein and other people, you are a famous scientist. You are halfway correct. Yes. So you're a scientist. You study brains. Yes. And you do MRI research. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, what? Have there been any studies with like MRI or structure or whatever that have shown that transgender brains are different than cis brains? Yes. But it's sort of complicated. So MRI isn't much. MRI isn't the most useful tool for this. What is MRI? Real oh. quick. It stands for magnetic resonance imaging. And it is a great way to get a really clear, detailed picture of portions of the inside of your body so way better than x-ray totally non-invasive totally safe unless there's metal in your body the r does not stand for radiation it's quick and easy and you'll probably get one at some point in your life and a lot of people have looked at mri images of cisgender people and transgender people and trying to see differences because it would be easier for the transgender cause to point to a biological difference to say, oh, here it is right here, so we know that's yeah. real. my brain's crepular body is bigger or Your something. Your brain's crepular body is bigger. <laughs> you know, like brain parts, whatever those are. Yes. So mm -hmm. we've looked at brain parts. Yeah. And unfortunately, there isn't a clear answer, and every scientist is always going to say something like that when asked any science-y question. I'm going to cut that out. That's weird. <clears throat> I can't tell you that male to female brains look exactly like female brains or vice versa. I can't tell you that female to male brains look exactly like male brains. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. I wish it were. But first, one of the problems is that cis male brains and cis female brains look pretty much exactly alike. Hmm, it's okay. extremely difficult to just look at one and tell, especially difficult to look at one from its MRI. So the thing about the MRI that's really, really great is it's good for seeing bigger structures. But there are tiny, teeny, tiny structures that are harder to see with MRI. And luckily, we have a lot of good research about those structures from postmortem studies. Mm -hmm. So postmortem study means scientists recruited a bunch of transgender people and followed them their whole lives or towards the end of their lives and got permission from the family and pro probably from the participant to look at their brain after they die. So the difference between that and MRI is you're able to slice up the brain real thin and you're able to stain it. And then you can see okay. a lot of tiny structures. Harder to do that on a living person. Basically Little impossible. Bit. Yeah. Yes. So I'm guessing, okay, I'm guessing a major impediment to any sort of research is that the sample size is going to be probably very small, right? Yeah. For all the reasons that exist for a transgender person to never come out of the closet, there's that many reasons counting against a scientist who wants to study a transgender mm, person. Okay. You have to find someone who is not only out 
about it and willing to talk to someone about it, but also someone willing to participate in your study. So you've got sort of two things working against you, which are kind of tricky. For that reason, a lot of the studies I'll be talking about today have very few people, like 20 or 30 people. Yeah. So what are the studies? Well, first, let me tell you a couple of of the difficulties involved with this. Mm -hmm. Not only do male and female brains have very subtle differences, and those are even not absolute. We can, it's sort of like height. Okay. Men tend to be, on average, taller than women. But we know there's some very tall women, and we know there's some very short men. So to look at one person and look at one person's height, you can't say whether that's a male or a female. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with brain structures. There are some structures that tend to be smaller in women or tend to be larger in women, but no one single structure is going to, you can't look at that and say that is based on the size of this okay. structure. I know so, that yeah, that's a woman. So that'd be hard to, to So see. for that reason, and this is the case with a lot of neuroscience research, you have to have as many, you have to have your numbers as, as high as possible so that you can definitely say, like we can with height, for the most part, on average, men tend to be taller than women, something like that. Mm -hmm. So even when we do find sexual dimorphism is the term for that, meaning a reasonable, reliable difference, even when we do find that, it's going to be pretty small. So if we take an average height man and an average height woman, I'm guessing the average height man is 5'10", and the woman is 5'2", something like that? I think it's less than that. I think it's like 5'4", and 5'8", or something. Yeah, it's not... so that's just four inches. That's not yeah. a lot. We we can eyeball it. That's, you know, a mm-hmm. little more on our on human scale. We can tell a guy who's 5'8 is a little taller than a girl who's 5'4", something like that. When we're talking about brain structures, we're talking about fractions of millimeters. So there's more within group difference than between group difference, yes, as they say. That is correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you get your numbers big enough, you can start to see a difference and even a significant difference, mm-hmm. but still a small one. So... There are a lot of ways to look at brains and try to tell them apart and try to figure out what's different and hopefully, ultimately, what could be causing this. Mm -hmm. People have looked at the overall brain size, the size of different structures. They've even looked at the interconnections between different regions. And it's been hard. It's been hard to find a significant difference that indicates the trans brain is different. But there is one area that is pretty exciting. Oh, what's that? It's the bed nucleus of the stria terminalis, specifically the central part. Oh, the central part. Yeah, right. that yeah, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you looked lost a second yeah. ago. Okay, the center of the the center of the bed triad tempultant sex. So we have a link down below the, for an excellent lecture. Robert Sapolsky's lecture. He is a professor at Stanford. This is on YouTube. This was in twenty eleven. Really amazing lecture. We'll give you the time point where he starts talking about this, but he does go over a lot of the research that Mm -hmm. looked into what is the difference between uh, transgender brains and what could be causing this. Because this is real, and it's not happening in your kidney, and it's not happening in your liver. I mean, this Mm -hmm. it's happening in your brain. It could all be function, but maybe it's structure. And so it's worth taking a look to see if it is anything with the structure. So here's what I was able to sort of distill down from that talk. The brains of transgender individuals have neuron numbers that line up better with the sex they are, the sex they say they Hmm, are, as opposed to what they were assigned at birth. Now, this is just the number of neurons in that one structure that I was talking about. 
and the neurons we're counting in that part of the structure is just one specific type of neuron. They're able to slice up a brain and stain it and see, ah, there's four types of this kind of neuron and and six examples of that kind of neuron. So the nuclear bed stromatolite formation. The central part of the bed nucleus of the stria terminalis. So, okay. So a female and a male mm-hmm. is going to have a male number Correct. of neurons Correct. in this structure. Correct. And a male to female is going to have a female, cis females Correct. number. Okay. So what's this do? What's the bed nucleus of the stria terminalis central <laughs> do? The stria terminalis is a region which is known for sex and anxiety responses. So they've found that that's actually an area affected by androgens, especially prenatal androgens. We're thinking that some kind of prenatal exposure to testosterone or estrogen could have had an influence on this area. It's interesting because I have anxiety too. Does that, you think that... It's entirely possible. Comorbidity. I wouldn't be surprised if there was that. uh, Well, there needs to be research. Get a grant. (laughs) That's easy, right? Every paper I read about this, I have a couple of review papers. We also have links to those down below. Almost all of them wrap up by saying more research is needed. So I'm guessing, yeah, of all of these articles and everything, they've they've interviewed or studied or whatever, what, like 35 transgender individuals probably? (laughs) Probably no twins in that. There are there are twin <laughs> really? studies. They got twins. Well, oh, twin studies awesome. are great for looking at looking for genetic links. Okay. And they have found that they like to compare identical twins with fraternal twins, mm-hmm. right? Because fraternal twins are do not have the exact same genes, but they do have the exact same environment. In oh, theory. okay. Same parents, same food, same schooling, same medical care. Almost everything that could be held consistent is consistent for twins. The only difference is fraternal twins don't have the same genes, and identical twins do. And they have found a slight, slight increase in the possibility that if there is one transgender Mm -hmm. twin of an identical pair, that's slightly more common that their identical twin will also be transgender. Okay. As opposed to fraternal twins, where it's just as the same numbers as having a sibling. So this must be tricky Mm -hmm. in that also transgender being transgender is entirely self self-reported right there's no like test you can take you can't pee in a cup and the doctor's like yep you're transgender yeah they would go entirely on self-report if it's a younger kid and parents mm-hmm. are involved parental report teacher report that being said not only are all psychiatric conditions self-report and i'm not saying that transsexualism mm-hmm. or transgender is a psychiatric condition but i'm saying all psychiatric conditions are self-report so are migraines so are early onset alzheimer's symptoms so is all pain mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff yeah. out there that is self-report only and not considered anything less than absolutely real so if you could design a study, don't go into too much detail because mm-hmm. we don't want someone ripping you off and submitting your grants <laughs> application. What? How would you set up a study to oh. try to determine if there was a structural difference? Because you study neuro, you studied structures mm-hmm. and how how brain structures could produce changes. Well, if we're in, just in personality, at- right? We're looking for correlations in different conditions. So we were able to see how 
cortical thinning in people who have a genetic predisposition to depression exists. They don't even have depression yet, mm -hmm. but this cortical thinning indicates that they have a, a genetic predisposition. So we, the, the lab I was in before this was mm -hmm. looking at the structure that was associated with different disorders. Yes. Not necessarily saying let's change the structure and we'll mm -hmm. see it change, but we're, we were just trying to see an association yeah. between the two. So what would you, what, what sort oh, of study goodness. would you put together? Oh, What's my your, goodness. my dream study? Your dream study that will win you the Nobel Prize and okay. in peace, let's say. Okay. So. There are a couple ways to look at this. If we're just going to look at the structure only, what mm -hmm. I would love to do is do brain scans of people from childhood up through their lives. All right, I have infinite cash, right? Yeah. Annual totally. brain scans of a cross-section of the population. Okay. Presumably, some of them will turn out to be transgender. Mm -hmm. I have a guess for how to get a good number of transgenders in that group, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. I'm so, curious. Yeah. So hopefully there would be the people who we scan in their infancy, in their childhood, through puberty, through adolescence, through, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s. Hopefully some of them turn out to be transgender. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're hoping for half male, half female. We would like a healthy representation of homosexuals. We would like a healthy representation of gay transgender and straight transgender. Mm -hmm. Then I would be able to see how the brain changes over their lifetime. A lot of these papers talk about a variation in transsexuality or transgenderism that I hadn't considered, which is young onset and older oh, onset. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Because I'm young onset. So you knew from your earliest memories. From like being, yeah, three or so. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a question to me is like, well, if a kid just figures out real quick that they're not supposed to talk about this and keeps quiet about it, how would their parent know if that's young onset or late onset? At any rate, yeah, we would hopefully have cool parents, mm -hmm. detailed questionnaires, behavior reports throughout their lifetime, and annual MRIs. We'd be able to see how these structures of the brain that we're pretty sure are associated with sexuality, maternal behavior, any of the areas that are influenced by estrogen or testosterone, mm -hmm. we'd be able to see how those change over time. Okay. And then we would do post-mortem studies <laughs> on them when they Okay, are so your grandchildren are going to finish this study for you. Yes. Now, this will be a so multi-generational Wouldn't study. hormones just throw off everything, though, at no. a certain point? No. No. Okay. That's a really interesting question. So when we're looking at the bed nucleus, the striatum terminalis. There's a really interesting... Oh, the center part? Yeah, the center. Oh, okay. Center. I thought you were saying about the left part of it, and I was like, wait a second. That so doesn't I'm just, make any sense. I'm just going to call it the BST. The BST? Yeah. yeah. The bed nucleus of the striatum terminalis. Uh-huh. Center part. There's a picture right there yeah. of that in the center. So they looked at hormone treatment. Now that affected this. Hormone treatment or sex level variations in adulthood did not seem to influence the BST numbers. There's numbers the in the number neurons. Of neurons yeah. There, yeah. Some people in the study had taken, some people hadn't. And the difference, you know, your, your BST mm -hmm. looks like mine. Yeah. And our friend Caleb's BST looks like my brother's, who is a cis male. So the hormone treatment didn't affect this. Some people had taken it, some hadn't, but their numbers still stayed in the range of the gender that they identified as. Mm -hmm. and this is really interesting because it tells us the difference wasn't caused by hormones. The difference was there before the hormones started. So, and there's another cool control group. Okay. Super cool. 
They compared these brains to, there are some cis men who, when they get a certain kind of testicular cancer, they have to take estradiol. Oh, really? They have to take the same medications you take. Titty skittles. Titty skittles yeah. and, and blockers and uh, huh. testosterone okay. blockers. So these cisgendered men taking your titty skittles also got these postmortem studies. The scientists looked at their brains hmm. after they died. Their neuron numbers were the same as you would expect from any cisgender man. Interesting. The neuron numbers did not change from taking titty skittles. Nice. So you said also that you had a way you would think to try to get some some good transy numbers mm-hmm. in your study. What's that? Two I'm ways. curious. Okay. You go to an area in the world where transies like to be. So we're moving to San Francisco. Hi, Caleb. See you soon. Second, since we know there is a genetic component, we are going to try to recruit people in families. If we know that someone is transgender and plans to have kids, their own kids, their own sperm, their own eggs, I would want to look at their kids. That makes sense. I would also want to look at age-matched, you know, socioeconomic level-matched, race-matched mm-hmm. controls. So for that reason, I'm not saying that a transgender person is definitely going to have a transgender kid. What I'm saying is, since we know there's something of a genetic component, mm-hmm. we know that their kids maybe have a slightly higher chance of being transgender. Okay. And how awesome would that be? If your parent went through it too, they know exactly what to mm-hmm. see, exactly where to get you help. Like that kid's like in like Flynn. So I would have uh, a cohort, I would call it. I would recruit a cohort of people who might have a slightly higher chance of growing up and letting us know that they are transgender. Excellent. Yeah. So if you're the grants officer for mm-hmm. the National Institute of Health, mm-hmm. and you are like, where should I spend our grant money next year? I think you've got your answer. We've got a master's degree holder in New York City who's ready to move to San Francisco. There oh, you go. You work for the state of New York. We can't go to San Francisco. We can't. I would lose my pension. I like your pension. Well, I don't get it for another 10 years. Anyway, point being, science is cool. Science is cool. Does that answer your question? I tried not to get too technical. No, Do you think it's that's good. clear enough? That's good. Definitely check out this lecture. He's a very good speaker. Uh, he's funny. It's maybe 10 minutes. And I do want to give a shout out to Dorian Michelle Brendan, who does the news on our fellow podcaster Caleb's show, Beyond Gender. Great podcast. Check them out. Dorian sent me the link and really, really impressive. Honestly, she's done more (laughs) reading up on the neuroscience of transgender and the literature says transsexualism a lot. So transsexual and gave me a lot of good resources. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dorian. Thank you, Dorian. We should get her on the show, too. We will. Don't All right. Count on that. Cool. cool. Well, bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to The Gender Rebels. Please send your questions to questions at genderrebels.com. If you like us, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. Music for The Gender Rebels is by Jasper the Colossal. Find the link down below or download them on iTunes today. And for more of the Gender Rebels, visit our website, genderrebels.com. Gender Rebels is a Comeback Zinc production. Copyright 2016. All rights reserved. And to all you Gender Rebels out there, keep rebelling. Bye. Bye.